This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's where State Farm Small Business Insurance comes in. State Farm agents are small business owners themselves, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. I'm Josh Muccio, and from Gimlet Media, this is The Pitch, where real entrepreneurs pitch to real investors. Hi. How's it going? Hey, I'm Michael. How you doing? Hey, I'm Daniel. Nice to meet you. In the pitch room today is founder Jared Kugel. Jared knows one thing really, really well, and that's tires. He comes from a family that's been in the tire business for generations. Now, this native New Yorker wants to try something on his own. But does he have any idea the value of the business he's built? Today's investors are... I'm Daniel Galati. Daniel is a serial entrepreneur turned VC with Comcast Ventures. Hi, I'm Jillian Manis. Jillian is a partner at Structure Capital and an angel investor on the side. Hi, I'm Phil Nadell. Phil is managing partner of Forefront Venture Partners with over two decades of investment experience. I'm Michael Hyatt. Michael is a Canadian investor who sold two software companies for over $500 million. All right, on with the pitch. So as I said, I'm Jared with Tire Agent, I'm the CEO and, and founder of it. And so I've spent my entire life in the tire industry. In fact, my parents have been in it for decades, my brother, my mom, well, obviously. We've done uh, retail locations, tire distribution centers. And so I- Hell, I bet Jared could change a tire before he could even walk. But either way, he's seen enough bored customers waiting around the shop to know that tire changes are not exactly a chore anyone looks forward to. As you guys can imagine, I'm sure you guys have cars. Um, the typical scenario is you need a tire, you go to a shop, you typically wait a while. It's not the most pleasant experience. And then the retailer says that'll be 700 bucks. Basically, tire changes suck. They take a long time, and at the end of it, you're out some serious change. And all Jared's time in the business made him wonder if there was a way for tire changes to not feel like such a hassle. What if it was convenient and didn't cost as much? And then that's when I realized I can really change the experience for consumers. And that's when he decided to start Tire Agent. So can you explain the product? Absolutely. Okay. So you order the tires from us online. Right now, all of our installers are subcontracted of other mobile installation companies that we're working with. And that industry has been very fragmented. And now I'm kind of converting them into an actual tire shop. But we're, we're the customer experience. So basically, Tire Agent is a virtual tire shop, an alternative to heading to a dealership or a Pep Boys when your wheels are worn down. And it works like this. A customer visits the website, gets matched with the right tires for their vehicle, and then they make an appointment to have them installed wherever they are. Okay, so you're selling tires. Yes. What's the breakthrough here? What's the what's the big thing? What don't we understand about that business, which sounds like a lot of people sell tires? What, what am I missing? So there's a lot of nuances, right? So the first thing is, is people don't want to take time out of their day, their lunch break, their weekend, and go to a store. So right. the first va- the first main value proposition is the at-home installation at your convenience. Are, are oh, yeah. there any other 
companies that will install come to you to install tires? Yes. So where we're different is a lot of them really don't buy tires at the right price because they don't know the cost of the distributors. And so I do. That was an advantage that I had coming into it. Plus, I have a lot more connections than a typical tire shop does. So lower price tires. Correct. Right. So because of my connections around the country, another thing we're going to be doing is we're going to offer people two different prices. Price one, if I have to pull it locally, and that'll be, you know, right here. Or if you're willing to wait three, four days, I could drop that price by way less. Why? Because different wholesalers work out different deals with manufacturers and different volume bonuses around the country. So you'll so you have some sourcing network yes. play yes, that exactly. others don't have or they don't have the connections I have. Not even okay. close. So that, that's just purely a relationship game. That's right. In other words, it's not necessarily what Jared knows, but who he knows. And with his years in the business, he knows everyone. So the bet is you have better relationships than yes. multi-store chain retailers? Yeah. So, so what the need to believe for us is you've got some sort of proprietary sourcing. That's well, really the, the I wouldn't the say, I, I don't want to say the word proprietary. Knowledge, knowledgeable sourcing. There you go. That's it. Okay. That's 100% right. But how, how am I supposed to make that bet when... I, I don't know. I just believe that, like, you know, the tie, well, I don't know, what's the biggest tire store in the nation? Tire King. Tire King, I would imagine, has infinitely more buying power than yourself. No, so that's it's not the way the industry works, though. I know it's, okay. I know that's the way most industry works, yeah. but it's not the way the tire industry works. Okay. okay. So everybody theoretically is on like a similar playing field. Because the, the wholesale prices are basically the same. Typically, yes. Okay. And how are you able to crack because, that code? Because what makes this industry a little bit different is people negotiate deals for big amounts of a particular skew. You really are a tire agent. Yeah. Like that's is. what you are. Yeah, like you're right. going in and you're matching. I mean, <laughs> yeah. your name is kind of your game, right? Which is right. like you find the demand. Your name is your game. You, you find that's the great. demand. And then you act as a broker for that demand. Like you go to the supply yeah, side and you say oh. like, hey, give me the best deal. Are you- All right. So it's not just who Jared knows. What he knows matters too. His connections, his resourcefulness, and his industry knowledge are the secret weapons behind his business. Just listen to him talk about tire warranties. So there's usually three different types of warranties. You have the mileage warranty, which is usually a prorated amount. Tires come with free road hazard. People don't know that. And tire rebates. The manufacturer rebates, which everybody dredges, right? So people say, oh, I never get those things done. And it's because they're not done properly. Don't forget about load index. That load index tells you how much weight that tire can hold. A lot of retailers are not knowledgeable in that. What they do is they put on any tire. And then when you get a blowout quickly, it's because they put the wrong load index on your car. Can you, um, can you just answer the question of why this hasn't been kind of figured out before? Like, why has no one figured out this business model? Why now? Why you? So there's 252 million tires sold every year. So people automatically, they, they perk up, right? So it's a $30 billion industry. And you have companies like Amazon trying to get into tires, and they have not really figured it out. Why? And it's the nuances. It's the small nuances in the industry that they just can't figure out. And you would think with all that money that they would be able to bring in the right people, but you have to really understand the science of the industry to really get it. It takes a lot of confidence to stand in front of investors and say, no one knows this business like I do. But that's Jared's whole pitch. And it seems like the investors are buying into his story. But what about the story of his business? Can you take us through the, the some math here and how this sure. business operates? Absolutely. Because I'm trying to get excited about tires. <laughs> okay. and, I, and I think I maybe I can. Yeah. So why is this a better business? Why is this great? Why is this a scalable business? Why are you going to be the... Uber of tires, like what's going to go right. on here? 
Well, look at this way. The average cost is typically 100 bucks on a tire retail. Our margin's about 25%. That's what we make. We make 25 bucks. The remainder goes to the distributor or manufacturer. But what's the, had... what's the inefficiency in this market that takes your 25 bucks to a million bucks a month? Like where? Yep. So what am I missing? Yeah. I understand that you know a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And if I were to pick a friend that knows tires, it's you. I can totally tell. You're <laughs> yeah. like the tire guy. Absolutely. Yeah. Tire agent. agent. Yeah, yeah, right in your shirt. Yeah. But I'm I'm I got a 25% gross margin business. Now you got to take off your expenses so the net's less. Like, how is this a great business? Yep. I believe you can make about a hundred thousand dollars a truck in profit, not including if I add wheels. And how many trucks? I'd like to get up to 10 trucks, 10 to 12 trucks in the New York area. With 10 or so trucks in his NYC fleet, Jared could be clearing over a million dollars in profit a year. And that's just the service side of things, never mind the tires themselves. Once he rolls out Tire Agent nationwide, it could mean a big business. These kinds of numbers might be enough to get the investors excited about tires. You wanted a million dollars. Right. What valuation are you thinking of? So we're doing a $10 million convertible note. Of course we, you are. We, yeah. Just, yeah. We, we just, well, we just raised... Uh, not too long ago. And what did you raise? You raise? We raised seven hundred and fifty thousand on on what? On a three, but it was before launching, and it was before a lot of these things. But are coming you just into place launched. Now. I mean, how long you've been around yeah, for? Yeah, you just said. So we started developing the idea. We haven't, like I said, I just launched about a couple weeks ago. Yeah, about two weeks ago. Yeah. Uh oh, I think this might be a problem. See, just a couple weeks ago, Jared was telling investors that his company was worth three million dollars. But now, now that he's rolled out the trucks and turned the lights on, he's more than tripled the valuation to a whopping $10 million. You can't say, like, we've made tremendous progress and we've all this revenue and then we have no revenue. Like, you have to, you know, like, why are you $10 million from $3 million? It's It's simply for two reasons. First one is we have a lot more idea on the strategy on how we're going to be selling the tires that we did back then. The second reason is, is I can't take another one at the same valuation that I did before launching. But you haven't proven anything. But before launch was two weeks ago. I understand, and I'm open to negotiation. Everyone's not, a software company. That's my theory. I, I'm not. I'm not opposed. <laughs> Everybody is a software SaaS company. I just don't understand how. I mean, you just launched. You right. haven't. You don't have any. When, when we did the deal, it was prior to a lot of the negotiations that we have going on right now. Jared's saying that there are some big potential partnerships in the works that two weeks ago were non-existent. But you don't have the signed contracts. So it's very hard for us to, if we were talking to you two weeks ago, right. be a completely different scenario. And that doesn't wash very well with um, seasoned investors. I right? um, Yeah. So we're not pushing back just for the sake of pushing back. Yeah. It's that math that Logical. we're kind of doing. And, and, and I'm open to it. So what goes on in your head? Do you say, I'm going to come in here and ask for 10 million, but I really want five or seven, but I'm going to look like I negotiate? Is that is I, that the psyche? I, I'm always wondering. Yeah. I, okay. So I personally hate the process of negotiation. And I, I don't believe the, that you're a tire, tire guy. Tire, tire, tire agent in New York. I, sure. I have, I have I mean, a, no, no, I have a good reputation in the industry because I, I'm, a, I'm a no BS kind of guy. I like to... Just be out there. I'll be honest with you. When it comes to this VC world, I, I don't really particularly. Uh, so you, so you, you believe that 10, ten million is a no BS number? No, no, yeah. no, no. So how do you come up with a ten? So um, I was kind of. I didn't really have much of a choice because I had just raised money at a three, 
How from do you go head, from, from three head. to ten? From well, I'm, I'm being open with you. I'm being open from with you. Yeah, no, let's what do you listen. mean? You went from three no, 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 to ten. To this. I want to hear this. Oh. This is getting good. I, I'm going to explain. Good. I'm going to explain. <laughs> I wanted to come in here at a kind of a different valuation. And uh, a couple of different people told me I shouldn't do that because I had just raised at a different valuation. Yeah. And so that I was kind of put in a very awkward position, right? Because right. I had just raised. But I didn't really quite know the valuation. And so I was kind of just going to see like what the gauging was. Because but I didn't you really didn't see what the gauging was because you said 10. Because because I, I didn't I couldn't do an equity because if I had done an equity, I didn't want to feel like you guys were stuck at that valuation. And I felt the convertible note would have been a little bit more flexible. But you, what do you, mean but by you that? said a $10 million cap yeah. on the note. Right. And because I didn't know when I was going to raise again after. It may have been a much higher. It could have been two years later at a much but higher. But why do I have to pay for this future? So that's why I said I'm willing to talk and understand more from where I you think, guys are I coming from. I think it's from. more of, yeah. a, of, an, of an education. Look, I, 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 I think the problem is, is that, you know, it's, it's a, I think sometimes people go to barbecues or whatever and get some really bad advice. And look, you raised money 20 minutes ago. Really? Right. right. Really, your valuation is probably not much more than what, what you just did. And really what you should be looking for is, is, is probably strategic investors that will help you and make these introductions and what have you. Listen, if I were you and I could raise money at $10 million right now for like whatever 10% dilution, I'd take it all day long at that million. I think that's the greatest thing in the world. Entrepreneur, entrepreneur, I think you should do it. Uh, but, you know, it doesn't make a lot of sense because you always have to consider, you know, one day you're going to sell this company and you're going to be very wealthy, then you're going to have to invest. And then you're going to ask this simple question. Right. When I put my money to a company, what does it have to sell for for my money to come back to me? And what's the likelihood of that? And um, after all the rooftop parties and all the pats on the backs and the high fives, you know, business is business. And, uh, you know, it's hard to grow and build a company and sell it for 50 million or what have you. Right. I think if you really do want to raise more money now, you should just do an extension of the yeah, equity round that you did and That's stay correct. at $3 million. I absolutely agree. And it's only two weeks since launch. You don't have any meaningful traction to yeah. company. See what right. I did there? Justify. Oh, uh, really? That was did very you do good. That? Traction. Traction. There's not, but you they don't have, have a, you don't have a, You don't have any meaningful traction yet. You haven't, you know, to me, it's hard to even get, wrap my mind around the business if there were some traction, if you show, were able to show real numbers and, and real progress, that makes that makes a yeah. difference. A and then compound that with you know what I consider to be a crazy valuation at a ten million dollar cap. I just think you know it. I I can't get excited about it. It's just not in a place for me to. It, it doesn't make sense for so me. You're going to pass. So I'm going to pass. Okay. Phil is out. Michael is up next. So here's the deal that would kind of work okay. is if you're what you really I think should be saying is that I'm building a monster cash flow business in the tire industry. I know it better than anybody else. I'm going to have hyper efficiencies. I can razzle dazzle better than anybody. What you're buying into is a is a you know annual profit share yeah. uh, on the tires. That's more interesting. But I think you might have locked yourself in with your your past raise. Uh, you know, it's not like we're buying into a deep intellectual property. We're not buying into a new type of tire, a new technology. Right. There's no you know. defensibility. There's no... You, you know, and I believe that you're... I, I bet you're the best tire guy in New York. Yeah. I, I, you, you believe that <laughs> too. Maybe. I can I say do. you got that 100%. thing. And I, and I, if I got a tire, it. you're that guy. Yes. But I don't, I don't, I'd love to share in the cash flow business with you. But I, I don't, I don't, I, I'm, I'm struggling to where this is an equity investment. Well, you know what, you know what, I think that Michael's out. Daniel's up next. So my, my take on this is that it is really nuanced. I do actually believe you're a little bit better than the, you know, driving into the store, you know, you come to the customer and you give them a much higher standard of service. And so I do agree that it's sort of incrementally better. 
I, I'm not there yet on it being sort of 10 times better. It's like the old venture capital rule. It's like you got to be 10 times better, 10 times cheaper. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just feel like your business doesn't meet that grade. I don't think it's um, so much better that the average customer will kind of migrate to you in droves. And so for that reason, even though it's a really big industry and you seem like a great founder, um, it's just not a fit for me. I understand. Thank you. Daniel is out. Jillian is the last investor left. You are clearly an authority in this. All right? You know what you're doing. And I also don't feel that you're a shyster um, and you're not just a hustler, right? You really want to solve this problem and you definitely see opportunity in many different levels. And yet you're not uh, you, it's not a mature enough um, to really understand what that looks like yet. So I do see tremendous value. It's just too early for me, and yet I'm I'm still I'm interested, but not right at this second. But I'm okay. interested in in making introductions to become more knowledgeable about this. That'd be great. Okay. Sounds good. Fantastic. Thanks for coming. Thank, Thank, you. You. Thank you so much. Thank you. Jared takes off, and the investors chat further about what just happened. Everybody's worth ten million. It's not ten million, but you want to know something? He backed down. He absolutely did because he realized. No, he didn't. Why do you? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. No, if he didn't, if he backed down, he would have. He would have said, "You know what? Here's my number." I have to tell you, you know, he should have come in and said, "I'm going to do a seat extension at three million. But he didn't. And if he did that, I still would have passed because. It doesn't make sense to me. It's too early. I don't believe that this is going to become it, it a scalable business. It I just needs, don't buy it. it. I thought he should actually should not raise money. Yeah. Get somewhere. Get the cash flow I going. Agree. I think this is the most amazing Six. lifestyle business. This guy understands how to work yeah. that yeah. New York market. Completely. He could get out a million bucks of free cash totally. flow it's a, a cash year. Flow. He could pay all his investors. Yeah. He could make yeah. three, four hundred grand a year and be totally. very happy. I, totally. I think he would yeah. wait six totally. months. He'd do great. Yeah, I agree with you. He actually, I think he's a very good guy. And I think he actually will do a great job selling tires. It's just not an investment. No. I'm going to stay in touch with him because I, I, I'm, I'm fascinated. I think by you like to stay bit. in touch with everybody. Now I couldn't do that because no, then no. I wouldn't get any sleep. No, no. But you're I very good at what I can do in touch is with everybody. To some people, I can make a recommendation and say, "Here's one introduction." I just want to get some sleep sometimes. So. Okay. <laughs> well, I sleep. I don't four know how you do night. that. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. Sure. Um, So, well-rested or not, the investors are off to lunch, and Jared is headed home without raising a dime. It was clear in the room that his $10 million valuation was a deal-breaker. After the break, we answer the question, how should someone value their company? This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. We talk to a lot of entrepreneurs on the show, and one thread that connects them all, they're not just pitching their business, they're pitching themselves. Because small business owners know that their business is more than just a company, it's their whole life. And State Farm gets that. State Farm agents are small business owners too, and they know what it takes. They can help you choose personalized policies that fit your budget. That's the personal touch. That's small business insurance from State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. Small business owners know that it's not just business, it's personal. Your business is your life, and State Farm gets that. 
State Farm agents are small business owners too, so they know what it takes. They can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. And they live and work in your community. So you're not just getting an insurance plan, you're getting that personal touch. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Before the break, we heard the investors take serious issue with Jared Kugel's $10 million valuation. So I figured maybe it's time to call in a neutral third party, a mediator of sorts, Charles Hudson with Precursor Ventures. So I think there's this notion among startup founders that valuation is scientific. That, oh, we have this amount of revenue or our competitors sold for this price, ergo we're worth X millions of dollars. Valuation is purely driven by negotiation and standards in the industry. So I think I've had founders come into my office and pitch me and say, hey, we have 100K in revenue, and we think that means that we're worth $10 million. And I'll just say, well, you might be, but I wouldn't pay that price. So the way I think about valuation is it's the market clearing price where the investor and the founder agree to do a deal. There's nothing that's intrinsically right or wrong about evaluation. It's just an agreed upon price. Right. So it really is like you're worth what someone else is willing to pay. Right. So like if you're a startup founder walking into the pitch room on our show, um, like how would you go about valuing your company? Do you start high for negotiation purposes? Like what? where do you start? I think part of the challenge for founders is there is this whole, I'm going to anchor high and get negotiated down to something I can live with. Uh-huh. It doesn't really work that well in venture <laughs> because as a founder who's raising money, your real competition is not the people on your competition slide. It's every other startup that's competing for a VC's attention. Huh. And if you anchor really high, people might just say, this person is crazy. Yeah. This person does not know the market and their initial ask is so out of bounds that's indicative of other problems I'm going to have, or it's just indicative of the fact that they're naive. And that might not be fair, but like that's the market. And so I think sometimes anchoring too high sends a signal that you're out of touch with the market. And instead of negotiating down, people will just say, I can't even have a conversation with you at that price. The flip side is if it's too low, people will say, well, what's wrong with the company? <laughs> if they're raising at such a low valuation, there must be something seriously deficient with the market or the product or the team. And maybe it's too good of a deal and I should not pay attention. So I think you always want to be in range of what's market for a company of your size and stage. Yeah, that's great. Where where does someone go for help with this stuff? Like, let's say somebody's listening and they're like, all right, Charles, like, I, I understand it a little bit better. Thank you so much. But I still don't know what to do in my exact situation. Like, I... Who do, you, who do you talk to? Like a, a seasoned investor? Like, of course, not all of our listeners can reach out to you and have you personally coach them on their valuation. So what do they do? I think the best feedback always comes... There's two things I would tell people. If you're raising money and you talk to 10 VCs that are all good and they all tell you that you should raise at a $4 million valuation, that's actually very useful information. Even if they wouldn't invest in your company... The fact that a bunch of people who are smart and do this for a living have converged around a price, they're giving you some feedback about what they think is fair given where you are and who you are. Got so it. pay attention to that. In the absence of that, I would say the next best source of information is people who recently were able to close rounds of financing. 
like within the next three, to, within the last three to six months. So you sure there's not like an MLS for uh, for for startups to go look up the value of their companies? There isn't. I can just tell people the things that increase your valuation are the closer you are to having a launch product with data, the more you can command. The, the more complete your management team, the more you can command. The more attractive the market you're going after, the more you can command. Got it. And I don't think there's any magic answer. Here's Jared again. So right now, I've, I haven't really had any meetings or anything major since the show. I've kept a low key, just working on the business, you know, grinding it out and just really focusing on who we are as a company. And now I'm at the part, now I'm at the point where I now am starting to really grow and, and bring everything into fruition. So yeah, you know, the timing then seemed, I'm sure they thought based on the reaction, egregious. But the thing is, when they see what's going to be coming and what I have in place, they'll realize that for somebody who they thought was maybe crazy at the time, it's not that crazy. It's just the timing threw it off because of how soon I, I raised prior. That was Jared Kugel with Tire Agent. Hopefully, in due time, Jared's company will be worth every bit of $10 million, and then some. Hey, if I could ask one quick favor, we're doing a new survey specifically for listeners of The Pitch. We want to know, what do you love about the show? Why do you listen? And is there anything we can do better? So when you have a minute, head on over to thepitch.show slash survey and answer a few questions. That would help me and the team out immensely. Again, that's thepitch.show slash survey. Thanks. Our show is produced by me, Josh Muccio, Kareem Maddox, and Molly Donahue. We are edited by Devin Taylor and Blythe Terrell. We're mixed by Enoch Kim, original music composed by The Musemaker, and our theme music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. Thanks to Lisa Muccio for planning the recording of this pitch. And we discovered Tire Agent because of an introduction from Entrepreneur's Roundtable Accelerator in New York City. Founders who are raising money can apply to pitch by going to thepitch.show slash apply. And as a reminder, no offer to invest is being made to or solicited from the listening audience on today's show. All right, you've been listening to The Pitch from Gimlet Media. We'll be back with a brand new episode next Wednesday. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's where State Farm Small Business Insurance comes in. State Farm agents are small business owners themselves, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.